For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then there was a scandal. Vintage scandal. It was quite the scandal. I am shocked at your behavior. <laughs> All right, so this uh, story, Sex, Drugs, and Disco, is prompted by the fact that the Studio 54 co-founder, Ian Schrager, there's an upcoming documentary that's going to be released. It opens on June 15th about Studio 54. Is it going to be a movie in movie theaters? It's a document, yeah. So I don't know. It got the deal in, in hand, and he's not... You know, he hasn't really spoken out a lot about it. The The documentary is called um, Stu- Just Studio 54. Variety, when they reviewed it at Sundance, they said it was thrilling and definitive. And it basically charts how these two Brooklyn boys, Ian Schrager and Steve Rubell, met in college and created this perfect club that was open for a little less than three years. I know, isn't that oh, something? Knows, how big yeah. of a headline it made? 33 months. It was the, uh, you know, glamorous sophistication and primal hedonism. And it opened in a one-time CBS soundstage in April of 1977. And almost really immediately became the epicenter of nightlife in New York City and the world. And the sex, drugs, and disco that was offered at Studio 54 served as the perfect release for a generation that was ready to get away from Watergate and the Vietnam War. And basically, 33 months later, the club was destroyed by vice and greed. Its short reign spawned a lot of stories. So here are some of the... Okay, tell me. Some of the crazy stories from the legendary heyday. Okay. The opening night, Donald and Ivana Trump attended... And he was newly married to his wife, Ivana. They had been uh, having dinner with his socialite and her date at Elaine's. And they said, hey, we heard about this club. Should we go? And so they get to Studio 54. There was nobody there. We knocked on the door and nobody knew who he was in 1977. About 15 minutes later, someone finally opened the door. They were still They waited for 15 minutes? Well, it was opening night. Right. They were still working on the lighting and stuff. And finally, at about 11 o'clock, more people came Mm -hmm. in and soon thousands swarmed the building. Cher, Margot Hemingway, a young Brooke Shields made it inside. But Frank Sinatra was stranded in his limo. Oh, okay. And Warren Beatty, Kate Jackson, and Henry Winkler could not get in. 
Wow. So with nowhere else to go, the party spilled out into the street. One club goer, this is opening night, Okay, waited outside with a group of friends, including a doctor who had a jumbo, jumbo bottle of Quaaludes. The oh, doctor started geez. handing them out, and oh around 30 people around us took them, and then there was sort of this mad sexual orgy. People were just taking off their clothes. Oh, my word. Now, the future president was up to less scandalous shenanigans inside. No one ever remembered him there that first night. The Studio 54 busboy, um, Richie Natar, told the BBC in in a story last year because he never was on the dance floor. But he became kind of a regular there. He would go there with dates and friends, and but he wasn't uh, he was non-drinking and non-dancing. He Ooh, just, Trump? Yeah. Okay. He just wanted to be seen with famous yeah. people yes, network yes, to yes, cut yes. the deal. Yeah. Okay, then birthday girl Bianca Jagger, opening night, um, was a success. But then the nights afterwards, it was kind of slow. And the club's fortunes were reversed a couple weeks later when Steve Rubell received a phone call from Roy Halston. It was 10.30 in the morning. He said, I want to have a birthday party for Bianca Jagger. Mm. And he wanted to have it on Monday. And the club, like many other clubs, did dark night. No open on Monday. Perfect. And he said, okay, we'll do it. And he said, um, Steve Rubell said, I called everybody I knew in New York to come and blow up masses of white balloons. And I went to the Claremont Stables that's in the city to arrange for a horse. And this Halston, is famous. Yeah. Halston had 150 people there. Barishnikov to Jacqueline Bissett. One of the bartenders donned a diaper and popped out of a cake. But the <laughs> highlight of the evening occurred around midnight when um, a white horse was led out from behind a stage curtain by a nude couple slathered in shimmering paint and sparkles. <laughs> The birthday girl took the place of honor astride the horse, oh which then walked across the dance floor. The stunt is considered one of the most effective stunts ever in publicity, as photos of Bianca Jagger on horseback appeared around the world. Wow. And it just snowballed from there. And um, she did not actually ride into the club on the horse. No. Okay, so that is, she's tried to correct that over and over mm-hmm. and over. Um, okay, disco legends Niall Rogers and Bernard and uh, Edwards were denied entry, inspiring one of their biggest hit songs. Mm. So, uh, YMCA? No, no, I don't know. That's those, the village people. Yeah, I know. The guys, I know. Rogers, chic, chic. Oh, oh, chic, okay, okay. So even though their songs were must play on the dance floor, they found themselves unable to clear the ultra strict door policy. New Year's Eve, nineteen seventy seven. They were invited to join Grace Jones at Studio Fifty Four. She wanted to interview us about recording her next album. And at our t- at the time, our music was popular. Dance, dance, dance mm-hmm. was a big oh, hit. Huge, but. But Grace Jones didn't leave their name at the door, and oh, the doorman no. wouldn't let them in. They waited and waited, and oh, we no. stood there as long as we could, but it just got too cold. We felt horrible, totally dejected. They walked back to Niall Rogers' apartment. We grabbed a couple of bottles of champagne, and we plugged in our music, and we just were yelling obscenities. Bleep Studio 54. Bleep them. Bleep off. Bleep them. Bleep, bleep, bleep. We were laughing. Mm-hmm. Finally, what were they were like, hey, let's... We changed it from bleep off to freak off. And then we're like, ah, freak out. 
And that is how Le Freak that September. That's funny. Became Sheik's first number one hit and biggest hit. That's funny. Okay, one gate cash gate crasher tried to died sneaking in through an air vent. Oh my god. And gosh. a lot of the front door rejects, I guess the bouncers took all kinds of crap. Oh, I'm sure. Because there were truly tenacious club goers who were trying to get in. And they had this situation where people would climb down from the building next door in full mountain climbing gear with ropes tied around <laughs> their shoulders oh trying to get That's in. That's hysterical. And um, anyway, one guy got stuck in an air vent and his body was discovered in black tie attire. He died in there. Oh, no. Um, Now, they did all kinds of private parties then after the Bianca Jagger. And um, Carl Lagerfeld had a candlelit 18th century party with the staff in court dress and powdered wigs. Elizabeth Taylor had a performance by the Rockettes, which she viewed while perched on a float of gardenias. Oh, how fun. <laughs> um, she was later presented with a life-size portrait of herself, Elizabeth Taylor, made of cake. Um, and um, one of the most memorable parties was held in honor of D- Dolly Parton. She visited just looked at it. Mm-hmm. the city for concert dates in May 78, and he, Steve Rubell, wanted to create a rural farm setting to help her feel more at home. And they had haystacks and horses and donkeys and mules running through the club. Mm. <laughs> and But Dolly, they had big wine barrels filled with corn. They had a farm wagon. They had chickens in a pen. Dolly came and was completely freaked out at the number of people there. She had not ever been to Studio 54. She was so nervous. Uh, she sat up in the balcony. She was not comfortable, a uh, comfortable lady there. Mm. Um, VIPs looking for the extreme deba- debauchery yep. were st- steered to the sex cubicles in the basement or the rubber room in the balcony. So once you found yourself in Studio 54, there was this very, you know, cavernous, dingy, 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 yeah, sorry, uh, basement (laughs) with rolled carpet and set pieces from past parties. And it was there that you could get high, low down. Right. Mm. Okay. And even those people got in the club couldn't make it all the way into uh, the basement. And you'd stumble into half hidden rooms filled with people who seemed to be sweating because they'd done something or about to do something and security men were walking around with walkie talkies removing people and the secluded corners furnished with mattresses became a popular feature and less exclusive was the balcony area that was upholstered in rubber because it was deemed easy to clean i'll let you leave it to your imagination why it was best uh, to be clean and at a purple magazine party in September of 1977, a mostly naked couple in a clear bathtub performed for the men and women who were there for the launch of the magazine. And Steve Rubell, basically, Studio 54... Just didn't pay their taxes. That's right. Yes. That's, they made, that's why I closed. They yeah. made millions in mm-hmm. 1977, and mm-hmm. they paid 8000 in taxes. Yep. They were skimming. <laughs> and yep. That was a standard practice in New York in cash flush mm-hmm. restaurants and mm-hmm. clubs. But uh, every morning... Massive portions of the previous night's take would be stuffed in garbage bags and hidden above ceiling panels or smuggled home to Steve's apartment and concealed in a hidden compartment. 
And Steve Rebell got so cocky, he joked to a radio host that what the IRS doesn't know won't hurt them. Right. And bragged to New York Magazine, only the mafia makes more money than than we do. Oh. For Andy Warhol's 50th birthday in August of 78, Steve Rebell gave the artist a fresh roll of 5,000 free drink tickets and a silver garbage can that was brand new filled with $1,000 crisp new once. Wow. And according to friends, Andy said it was the best present he ever received. And in a jovial moment, all of his friends tipped the garbage bucket over his head, showering him with money, but he wasn't amused and he demanded everyone pick up his crisp ones and put them back in the bin. Oh. So, I mean, JFK was there, Michael Jackson, oh, Diana. Yeah. Uh, Drew Barrymore was there. When oh, she was yeah, she like was there 10. when she was young. <laughs> Richard yeah. Gere, Liza Minnelli mm-hmm. sang New York, New York, uh, Diana Ross. Diane Van Furstenberg. Lots of people. And the last night, the final blowout, 2,000 of the most faithful Studio 54 were invited, and Liza did sing New York, New York, and Diana Ross serenaded the owners from the DJ booth, and then Rebel um, did a spirited rendition of My Way, hmm. and they kept playing I Will Survive over and over, and from a mechanical <laughs> platform above the dance floor, Steve Rebel gave the guests an emotional speech, but people remembered that he was coked out of his mind. Oh, yeah. And everyone was crying and reaping, and New York Post columnist Jack Martin found Steve in the early morning hours. He was sort of spaced out, and we just kind of got, got, we were with him until he took a car to go home and then had to go turn himself into to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The party was over. Wow. Yeah, he Sex. died at uh, 45 from AIDS. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So this movie, Studio 54, it's, it's going to be 15. so good. It kind of looks good. And uh, yeah, doesn't it look good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, I like knowing that about Le Freak. Yeah, that's a good that one. Good I didn't one. know that yeah. before. Um, oh my gosh, <clears> the <throat> photos, if you even just Google Bjorn Borg. So many oh. good-looking people. It was just, like, amazing. And la- that was dance floor dressing. People, sequins, platforms, and phenomenal bouffants. Mm. All right, listen, we'll be back with our favorite headlines of the day.